For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hey, Browns backers, a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.com. AG. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Again, the Browns, over 10 and a half wins. I think they're getting there, Tony. At minus 105, um, again, I'm banging that monkey all day. From a basketball standpoint, hey, get your NBA playoff bets down now. As much as it pains me to say, you know, the Nets are looking good, but I I just can't bet on that team. Can't bet on it. Can't trust them. So go anywhere else. Go anywhere. Maybe not for the first round. All right. We, we're pretty confident they're going to win the first round. But uh, go anywhere else. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Put in 100, get 150. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Tony, not a lot of going on in Brownstown, shall we say. News that Grant Delpit looks to be healthy coming into training camp and 
fully healthy, whatever that means, <laughs> for training camp. And then they signed Tommy Togiai late last week. Uh, what are your thoughts on just kind of that news? And that's uh, F-U-L-L-Y, right? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Well, don't forget we signed Connor Davis, too. Who, oh, uh, right. You know, we snatched him away from the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's good news. It's slow week, but, hey, I, it, we'll take it, right? I mean, we're, we're getting guys signed. We're getting people 100%, and that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. I mean, really not going to know what we have in Delpit until we can actually see him on the field playing. So, um, that, you know, I guess that's a step in the right direction. So, um, good week overall. I'll take it. Um, you, you know, we did have a little snag with COVID. Didn't know that was still a thing, but uh, <laughs> apparently we, you know, but we nipped it in the butt early. So, I, I mean... I, I don't know. Otherwise, been a pretty, pretty loosey goosey week. You know, we got Cadero Hodge signing his tender. Um, um, you know, it's good. Good news, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just nice. Again, and, and we've said this before, as we've had some slow weeks this off season, and even last off season, it's nice not to have you know train wreck weeks. Just yeah. to have a normal. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Nothing really going on. Just guys studying their playbooks, you know, working out, and and that's it. And that's that's the news of the week. That's that's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, when no, no I mean, uh, it, it, you know, it's it, as you stated. I mean, it, it, and slowly but surely, that's what we want to get away from. We want to get away from the woes me. The here we go again. Same old Browns. We get away from that. We get away from the losing. Get to a winning culture takes time and I, I feel like I've done a pretty good pretty good job in the last year and a half of maintaining and, and creating some stability and um, I don't know that's a good that's a good deal right I, I, don't know. We'll I think it. so I think so and while we don't have a lot of Browns news yeah. Tony we do have some I don't know football related news so last Thursday May 20th Football fans, I'm sure if you're a football fan and you're at least our age, uh, you are more than familiar uh, with Jim McMahon, the former quarterback for seven NFL teams, but most notably, obviously, the Chicago Bears and most notably there, the 1985 uh, Super Bowl twenty champion Chicago Bears hosted a premiere of a new movie, Mad Mac, the memory of Jim McMahon. So Mad Mac is a feature-length documentary set to tell the story of two-time Super Bowl champion and BYU Hall of Famer Jim McMahon and the extreme memory issues he currently suffers from stemming back to his playing days. So not only was it a premiere of that, uh, McMahon himself was there at the Midway Drive-In Theater for that. You were there helping out with the event, kind of participating just as a guest as well, tell us a little bit about you know the film without giving it obviously everything away, uh, but just the experience as well. Yeah, well, well, the film, you know, just to um, you know, kind of talk a little bit about where we were at with it. Um, the director C.J. Wallace has about what we got to see last week um, was about seventy percent of the um, the finished product. So about seventy percent of it's done. I know um, this week they were going to uh, get Steve McMichael uh, interviewed, um, talk a little bit uh, to him just about uh, obviously playing time with Jim. But, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be a large focus on kind of 
the the health issues that he is currently having. Um, so that's a big part of it. I think the, the, what we got to see really was kind of, and it was awesome. I mean, what we saw was just awesome stuff. Um, um, a lot of it was centered around just Jim as a kid, you know, uh, getting into BYU, kind of telling that whole story of how he landed at BYU. And then I'm um, discussing his time with the bears. Um, then that's kind of where it left off. And then kind of the cliffhanger for those of us who got to see this rough cut was, um, you know, they, they start, um, you know, there, there's some film footage of Jim getting checked, you know, for, um, some vertebrae um, problems he had and that, you know, neck issues he has some, um, you know, issues he has cognitively. So it just started to get into that. So the, the first 70% is really just kind of a background on him. And that last 30%, the, the part that we, um, you know, was not really been filmed yet. I think there was four more major interviews, uh, left, um, CJ was telling me, and then, and then it'll, it'll be merged into a big documentary, which, which will then be pushed out. I'm, I'm assuming Netflix. I think that's kind of what they're assuming. It's, it's to that level. At first I was thinking, well, this would be a great 30 for 30, but it's almost too big for it. Well, it's not almost, it's too big for a 30 for 30. It would have to be a, a two part in which I don't know if, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do a two part 30 for 30, but I, I see this landing on Netflix and I tell you what, uh, not only do I see this landing on Netflix, I see this like probably sitting at number one for a couple weeks because it is, it is that good. Like once people start to see it and the word gets out, I mean, I, like you said, for folks our age, um, we're going to we're going to dig on it immediately. But the, the, the thing that probably made me the most happy um, in both days of, of screening, though, the first day was a private screening, just like friends in, 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 in the area. Um, and some folks from Akron General Hospital, but um, and then day two was you know open to the public, if you will, at Ravenna Drive-in, and it was just neat to me to see the number of young kids that were there that watched the film, including some of our college students, uh, you know, our BW students who were there, and I, I think everyone who watched it that did not know about Jim prior to being there left with like, man, this guy is just something else. And, you know, for me, I always, you know, I always liked the guy. I thought he was a, uh, certainly a fresh, uh, fresh face, fresh personality, you know, for the time. But when you watch the documentary, I, I think you really walk away with an appreciation for just who he was as a, as a, as a person, as a competitor, because a lot of those, you know, kind of stigmas that were attached to him kind of break away when he actually explains, you know, why he did what he did and, and, and. I think you know, for me, you know, the the big, uh, the biggest star of the whole documentary isn't even Jim McMahon. The biggest star of the documentary is his mom and dad. Um, his dad, uh, also named Jim, interjects um, stories throughout the documentary, and it's just, um, I don't know, it's just it's good to see. I mean, his mom and dad are definitely you can tell that these are like solid, genuine Midwest value people, and. Um, it's just fun to let, listen to them, you know, talk to their, you know, talk about their son. I mean, it's, it's really good stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for, you know, the finished cut. I think, you know, we talked about it, you know, with the, uh, the director about uh, possibly doing another screening around the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend because obviously he'll be a little bit closer to getting it. October looks like it's, you know, what he's his targeted release date. 
talked about maybe doing a, a screening uh, with whatever he has at that point um, during a Hall of Fame weekend to kind of piggyback off of uh, Jimbo Covert getting into the um, into the uh, the Hall of Fame, and I just think that would be an awesome deal. And all the proceeds from both of these screenings, and then they also after they left Cleveland, they went to Columbus, Pittsburgh, and then they're on to Chicago. Um, all the proceeds from this are going to um, ALS. Um, to help, you know, Steve McMichael, um, not maybe him personally, but ALS in general, just look for a cure, hopefully at some point for ALS. And then here locally, some of the proceeds also went to Akron General Hospital, which I did not know this, but Jim has a relationship with Akron General Hospital, which, which happened, um, it just happened because of just circumstances that were kind of odd circumstances. Uh, a, a gentleman I'm here from, uh, Baldwin Wallace, Phil Lopez, um, happened to be caddying uh, at a pro-am in Lake mm-hmm. Tahoe for Brett Saberhagen, and in their group was Jim McMahon. And um, anyhow, conversations kind of, you know, as they happen when you're golfing, uh, they sparked, and and um, one thing led to another, and Jim was invited to a outing to benefit Akron General Hospital, um, the Akron Children's Hospital, end up coming to the event one time and he has not missed an event since. So he comes in every year for their event for, I believe it sounded like the last seven, six, seven years um, he's come in um, to help raise money for that hospital. So, I, you know, once again, awesome guy. I briefly had uh, interactions with him as a player as he was here in, in 95. We have a uh, mutual disdain for uh, Mike Lombardi. Um, you know, <laughs> he was probably a little bit more vocal about his disdain than I will be. But um, he has a little bit more mis- uh, disdain for uh, Coach Belichick than you do. Well, yeah, well, yeah well, that, well, that, def- <laughs> definitely that. Um, but uh, definitely the Mike Lombardi, we share that one. I mean, Mike probably owes him a little bit more money than Mike owes me, but. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I just thought it was fun to hear that. And it was, uh, I, I guess, it was nice, you know, that, that had a couple couple of uh, his former, you know, quote-unquote teammates um, with the Browns came out to support him. Felix Wright, uh, Hanford Dixon, Kevin Mack, Frank Stams, uh, they were all there. Uh, you know, Mike Tomzak came out. You know, Mike, you know, obviously was uh, spent some time with him there at the Bears. So uh, it was just a, you know, great night. And it was just great to see him up close interacting with people. And and it's just, it's, it's always fun, you know, to see someone like Jim who came from an era without social media. And I always talk about like, you know, guys like Muhammad Ali, um, certainly a guy like Jim McMahon, um, you know, his teammate, Michael Dean, or, uh, you know, refrigerator. I mean, those are all guys that were able to create these, you know, create these personas without the help of, you know, a TikTok video or a push or a, <laughs> you know, a crazy tweet at the at 3 a.m. I, I mean, you know, it just, it was just genuinely a unique individual. And um, like I said, it was fun, fun spending two, two nights, uh, you know, listening to him tell stories and, and to watch the documentary. And uh, I really look forward to it in October. I think, I think fans of just, not even so much football. I think just fans of life in general and just anything original. Uh, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> you're going to be a fan of it because there's nothing, there's nothing fake about Jim McMahon and there's nothing fake uh, in this documentary. It's all, it's, he, he does not sugarcoat anything. I mean, he comes out, 
let you know what he's thinking. And I mean, that's the one, one beautiful thing about Jim. Yeah. I mean, you never walk away thinking, gee, I wonder what Jim's thinking about that. I mean, he will definitely <laughs> let you know. So good times. Well, I mean, and you're looking at it also, I mean, some of the issues that he's suffering from, the number of games he played to to the number of hits he took. I mean, he got sacked 226 times in, you know, less than 3,000 attempts. I mean, so that's a guy that's getting hit at a level that today's players aren't getting hit and was getting hit in ways that today's players aren't allowed to be hit. No. And, and the, the thing too, that I, I tried, cause my stu I tried to explain to the students that were there and the younger people that were there. Cause I don't know if you remember, I mean, when he first came out, I don't think anybody really paid too much attention to him. In the first couple of years with the bears, he was just kind of, okay, he's there. Yeah. But when he started to, you know, we get to that 85 season and he's wearing the sunglasses all the time. Everybody's like, this guy's an ass. He's wearing the glasses. <laughs> He's too cool, this and that. Well, when he explained the story around that, the reason he wears those glasses is when he was a kid, little kid, he was screwing around and he got a fork stuck in, it, essentially stuck in this pipe, and he was trying to get it out. And he was pulling on it. He pulled it out, and he put the fork completely through his eyeball. And uh, because of that, and you, you don't really notice it because you never see him interview really without the glasses on. Yeah. His his eyes, so for any of you who have ever gotten an eye exam and they dilate your pupils, imagine your pupil being fully dilated all the time. So his right eye, fully dilated all the time. And before he started wearing a visor, uh, a shaded uh, visor, he had to play without that visor. So imagine having one eye working correctly and the other eye <laughs> fully dilated and you have to read an NFL defense at full speed and see guys coming out of your peripheral it's his right eye so seeing guys coming out of your peripheral uh, vision when, when your eyes fully dilated all the time it's just amazing to me that he was able to do what he was able to do I mean and I you know we know what he did uh you know with the Bears we see that but man I think the stuff that I had forgotten was just his that just the, the numbers he threw up at BYU. I mean, he was throwing oh, his numbers up, at BYU just are ridiculous, in, insane numbers, and um, just insane. Um, that you, you know, the the games, uh, uh that that holiday bowl game, uh, where, where they ended up coming back down, were they down 20, you know, down 21 points with three minutes left and ended up winning that game, and um. You know, that just rehashing that, I remember watching that as a kid and I remember it was like a highlight for days because it was such an amazing comeback. But you, you forget about that. I mean, you, you forget just how amazing he was. And um, I don't know, like I said, definitely a unique guy, definitely a guy that, um, you, you, you know, you just, you, you wish he had been around at that time, like actually working with those teams. He would have been a great guy. I mean, those last couple of years he spent in Green Bay, I'm trying to picture him and Brett Favre in the same quarterback room. <laughs> I mean, sweet Moses. That had to be, like, insane. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, 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 I don't think there were any shenanigans going on. No, no. It was like a zillion beers probably, right? <laughs> I mean, I – he, he actually he, he told a couple stories about him and uh, him and Wade Boggs. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, he, he said hopefully uh, not on any flights. Yeah, no, no. That, he was telling a story about them playing in a, I believe it was a celebrity softball game, and he said they 
you know, before the game even started, he said he's pretty sure they drank a hundred beers between the two of them, which, you know, normally someone would say I had a hundred beers. You think they're exaggerating? Yes. yes. I, I mean, I think while he was telling that story, he had four cores. <laughs> so I mean, I was like, well, yeah, I think this can happen doing the math here. Yeah, that'll work out. But yeah, no, it was a good time. Genuine, genuinely great guy. Um, you know, he didn't, he did not have very good things to say about Mike Lombardi. He did not have very good things to say about Bill Belichick, but he had, tremendous things not only to say about his time his short time here in Cleveland but all the times that he came here and played in Cleveland were positive and I think just the fact that he comes back um you know to the area to help Akron um Children's Hospital just speaks volumes of just um you know what kind of guy he is and um like I said I'm just uh happy to have met him happy to have spent some time with him and just super stoked for this fall to, to see the final cut of this documentary. Cause I think people are going to be just blown away by it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I watch documentaries all the time. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, all I do. And, um, this is, this is a top 10, you know, deal. And I'm seeing a rough cut and I'm saying that, I mean, it's just really well done, really well done. No. And that's the thing. I mean, Hey, we're here, we're here to talk about football and, that, and that's part of the game. And, and again, for player, for not players, for individuals of our era, you're not going to not recognize Jim McMahon. No. You're not going to not recognize, obviously, just from that, you know, that 85 Bears team is just, I mean, it's a pinnacle NFL team. So realistically, for NFL fans, they're going to recognize that. That's going to draw some people in and you're going to be able to hear the story. And that's really what it is. It's about these guys being able to communicate their story of, of what it's about, because, you know, we really, we, we kind of get snippets every once in a while, right? You get a story here, you get a story there. Somebody will do 60 minutes. will do a little piece on it. Obviously, um, you know, uh, the concussion movie came out, but then, you know, nobody talks about it anymore. I mean, I haven't heard much about it, you know, realistically from retired players and NFL alumni standpoint in the, mass media you know you hear it from the guys that that you're familiar with and that you know but being able to get this out to a big audience i think is is going to be an interesting um piece and if it can come out this fall and see what happens with uh with that it's almost going to have to go to netflix right because now yeah with amazon i mean let's be honest right with amazon having a 10 billion dollar deal with the nfl for the thursday night football they're not going to they're not going to show this. No, no. You know, so it's going to have to come out on on some alternative platform. Not that there's no other ones, right? There's plenty yeah. of other ones. But that's probably, I think, a good landing spot for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, for those folks that have seen, you know, like a Gleason or things like that, um, I'm, I'm picturing something, obviously, of a different type of illness, but something that's of a production value, from what you're saying, yeah. that's going to – mirror that yeah the impact is going to be as substantial yeah and and to get back to what you were saying about the nfl i mean it's very true i mean he he pulls no punches so i mean not even so much about the cte the als you know just that i mean he tells stories in there which kind of um it gives you a peek into just how little players care he jokes at one point he was in a game where um you know, he broke his hand and he says, ah, you know, this doctor comes over and he's like, it's one of those, you know, the classic team docs. He's like, he's got a scotch in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And he <laughs> comes over to analyze you and he's like, oh, no, you, you know, you, you're fine, whatever. And here he had a, 
broken bone in his hand, and the, the team didn't want to address it on the sideline. So after the game was over, in the middle of the night, his hand is throbbing so bad he can't fall asleep. So he goes to the emergency room. They're like, dude, you got a broken bone in your hand. So they're like, all right, do what you got to do. So they cast it up, and he goes in the next day into the facility, and the trainer's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You you can't wear that cast. I mean, then the media is going to know your your hand's broke. We can't let people know your hand's broke. He's like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? So they cut the cast off, and he said literally he played four weeks with a broken hand just heavily taped because they didn't want the media to see him with the cast on. And he talks about the, a game where he took a hit, he got spun around, and he spun around so fast that his kidney became exposed. Oh. And when he got hit, the, the impact put the, his rib through the kidney, and it cut off piece of the kidney and he starts bleeding inter- internally so he's on the sideline he's starting to get woozy and they're like well you know you got a bad hit but you know it's probably bruised whatever and he's like nah I, this isn't right and um he finally tells the story he said he went into the huddle and he's trying to make a call and the guys are looking at him like what is wrong like he's turning colors and everything else and finally they just tell him, get the heck off the field. There's something is wrong with you. And they end up finding that he lacerated the bottom of his kidney. He's bleeding internally and he's about ready to pass out. They take him to the emergency room and they tell him, we got to take this kidney out. We're taking it. And he's like, no, you're not taking the kidney out because they won't let me play in the league with one kidney. You can't play with one kidney. I got to have two kidneys to play. So they said, well, you're going to die if we don't get this thing out. So he asks the doctor, he tells a story, and when he tells it, I mean, it's just it, it, like you're sitting there like, I can't believe like this is real, but it's real, it's a document. <laughs> he he tells the doctor, just give me till tomorrow morning, you know, and he tells his wife, he's like, just don't let him, you know, if I pass out, don't let him take the kidney. Give me till tomorrow morning. And he wakes up the next day, they put this, you know, the fluid through him, and they, they're checking him out, and I'm like, what the hell? The, the thing had just healed, like it had stopped bleeding, it healed up. And he ended up not getting the kidney taken out, missed the rest of that season. But it's like, man, I mean, that's a perfect example. You got a guy bleeding internally, part of his kidney lacerated off because of his rib. And at that time, it was like, well, just come on, man. Just, you know, finish Suck the game. Get, get <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously those are things you can't, <clears throat> you can't hold the current NFL, you know, to that. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. But but you do have to own up to the fact that that's the way things were done, and 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 the, these are the results. The, you know when you well, you know. and that's the thing. And there's more than enough money floating around oh, yeah. for you know the the teams to. You know, I'm not saying hey, you have to give up all of your profits. Yeah. Uh, but you know, think about it from the standpoint of if, if each team contributed three million dollars a year. Right, that's essentially a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Uh, each of these teams is getting now with the well, when the new TV deal kicks in, you know, somewhere in the ballpark, I believe, of about two hundred and thirty million per year from just the television deals. Right, that's yeah. before a ticket sold, before a sponsorship sold, before a T-shirt, a jersey, a hot dog, a soda, a parking spot, any of that stuff is monetized. You're getting, you know, that much money from just your TV deals. Yeah you can kick in a couple bucks to make sure that you're taking care of those players that had those, that built this league, you know, I mean, not necessarily, but from a television standpoint, right. I mean, obviously you have those players from, 
20s, 30s, 40s, 50s that kind of built the league, but then 60s, 70s, 80s, those are the players that launched this from a television standpoint once those games started being aired. And then now all these modern players are able to monetize it because the salaries are at least, uh, you know, setting you up for generational wealth. He was, he was talking about, uh, so he gets drafted by the, he was supposed to get drafted by the Colts. Okay. The Colts told him, Hey, we're going to take you, you know, so uh, their pick comes in and they end up taking Art Schleister. And he's like, what the, you know, and it's crazy because they show the footage, like he's sitting there, you know, this family and then they announce it's Art Schleister. So then the next pick is the bears. And that's how he ended up with the bears. And he talks about going into uh, Alice's office and um, you know, he, writes the contract down. He says, hey, glad to have you on the team. He slides the contract over to him, and he basically looks at it. He's like, I'm not signing this. He crumples it up and throws it back at him. And um, so at that time, the USFL was kind of, you know, in its infancy. That was the first year of the, the league. And um, he started talking to George Allen, who was the old uh, Redskins coach, who was now going to coach the USFL team in Chicago. And uh, he said he gave him this offer, hey, I'll give you part of team ownership. We'll give you, you know, mm-hmm. X amount of value, this and that. He's like, hey, get it in writing. I'll sign it. I'll come play for you. Well, for whatever reason, that never happened. So he had to go back to Hallis and sign that contract. That contract, I believe, I want to sign, you know, don't quote me, quote me on this, but the numbers are fairly close. I believe it was 100, 125, 175. That's what he got. Hundred thousand, hundred twenty-five thousand, hundred seventy-five thousand were his first three years of his his rookie contract. Picked at I I want to say was he six? Oh, uh, five, five or six. Yeah. Not, imagine that number five pick, hundred thousand dollars out the gate. You know, and, and he had to sign for it. He's like, "What could I do, man?" I, and and that's you know that that's when you talk about the. I mean, because there's no. Name any current player now that is as big of a star oh, as Jim McMahon yeah, was. Yeah, in, yeah. In and if you're a fifth overall oh, pick. Yeah. But so to me, my solution's always been with the TV money. Why not just add a, add an extra team, right? So if you got 32 teams, just add a 33rd team and make that your former players. And when you divide the TV money, um, a piece of the, you know, that pie goes over to 33 and it takes care of. I mean, that's an easy solution. I, I mean, because then you're you're actually requiring teams to, you know, give up money that really never hit their pockets. Uh, I mean, they're just adding the. Uh, okay, so I think you have actually a good comparison here for uh, McMahon. You had Tua was number five in the 2020 draft. It's yeah. obviously the 2021 draft. Not all the players have signed yeah, yet, right? Yeah. All that stuff. So estimated contract. So you know, it's a five-year deal, right? $30.3 million <laughs> with a $19.6 million signing bonus. So slightly different. And I would say probably guys coming out with, if you're talking McMahon and his stats at BYU and in that Obviously. era and Tua, what he did at Alabama, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a pretty apt comparison yeah. um, for those two guys. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, uh, Shall we say slightly different yeah. sums? I mean, obviously the numbers were different, but uh, yeah. the the leverage players have today is is significantly yeah, right. greater. Yeah, so, going back, you know, talk about them coming out of college, not to ramble around here, but 
coming out of college that year that they ended up winning that Holly Bowl. I believe they lost the first game to New Mexico. They're like their opening game to New Mexico in New Mexico. And then they won out the rest of the season. And when you look at the numbers he put up, obviously you look at the the comeback and and that holiday bowl. I mean, they very easily could have been, with the current system, national champions. And he very much, I think, would have won the Heisman with social media on his side. I mean, he didn't have that on his side. Uh, So it was one of those things where you're at BYU and then you lose your first game to New Mexico. Like you're you're basically you know shunned for the rest of the season. Nobody's paying attention to you. But when you look at the numbers he put up, I mean, just I don't know. It's goofy, goofy that um, you know he would he would go to the Bears and get a hundred thousand. I mean, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, he won the Sammy Ball Trophy and won the uh, Davy O'Brien Award uh, for quarterbacks that season. So it's just a matter of I mean, just crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, they still finished 11th and 13th. Um, and then they, you know, won the championship a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, those are the people forget how good those BYU teams in those that early to mid 80s um, were. Yeah. So, all right, Browns backers. Well, I know today focused a lot on the Bears, I guess. Uh, mostly Jim McMahon, though, not necessarily, right? Played for yeah. seven NFL teams. So just not the Bears, right? Did play for the Browns for. The Browns. Uh, you know, minute. for a hot minute. Yeah, <laughs> got to throw Mike Lombardi up against the wall, which I think a lot of Browns fans would have liked to throw Mike yeah. Lombardi up against the wall. So a guy that that a lot of Browns fans uh, aspired to be, uh, <laughs> or at least for a mo- brief moment in time. So that's all we got for you today. Uh, have a good one, Browns backers, and we'll talk to you next week. Chub check. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.